Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bardic Inquisition. I've got a quick one for you today because Wizards of the Coast just released their newest uh, Unearthed Arcana and this one is for the Cleric and a couple of revised species. That is what we will be discussing today, but before we move on, I wanted to go ahead and give a quick shout out to Jennifer Schaefer over on the Patreon for helping us uh, keep going and growing on this show. And if you would like to get on, on the action yourself, head on over to patreon.com slash bardic inquisition. And for as little as $3 per month, you too can donate to the show and help us grow and keep going and keep those lights on. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get into those changes. So in case you missed it, this morning, December 1st, Wizards of the Coast dropped their newest Unearthed Arcana for the 1D&D playtest, and this one is just for the Cleric class, as well as a couple of race changes. That being said, there's actually a lot to go through, uh, so let's go ahead and get into this document, starting with the Cleric class itself. First things first, I noticed that the Cleric does not gain their subclass at first level anymore. Instead, they pushed it to third level, but, you know, honestly, that's okay, because we now get Channel Divinity at level 1, as well as Spell Casting. And Channel Divinity actually, and Channel Divinity actually does something a little bit different in addition to Turn Undead still being one of the options. We also get something called Divine Spark which, as a magic action, we can present our holy symbol to a creature in front of us, and we can either heal them or do radiant damage to them if they fail a con save, equal to a number of d8s equal to our proficiency bonus. On top of that, at level 2, clerics now get something called Holy Order, which to me sounds a lot like a fighting style, but for the cleric. And you'll see what I mean here in a second. <clears throat> you have dedicated yourself to one of the following sacred roles, either on your own or as part of a religious order. Choose one of the following options. A. Protector. Trained for battle, you gain martial weapon proficiency and heavy armor training. B. Scholar. Studying and teaching about lore of the gods in the multiverse, you gain proficiency in two of the following skills of your choice. Arcana, History, Nature, Persuasion, and Religion. Whenever you make an ability check using either skill, you gain a bonus equal to your Wisdom modifier. Or C. Thaumaturge. Delving deep into your divine magical abilities, you can prepare one extra zero-level spell from the divine spell list. See your spellcasting feature for more information on preparing spells. In addition, you regain an expended use of your channel divinity whenever you take a short rest. This, to me, sounds really awesome. I'm gonna guess that they're going to take away the proficiencies 
that you gain with your subclass, but I'm okay with that because they're replacing it with this really cool class feature. Moving on to level 3, as I mentioned earlier, that's when the cleric now gets their subclass. At 4th level they get a feat, at 5th level they get smite undead instead of destroy undead, and this just lets you add a number of d8s equal to your proficiency bonus to any undead that you successfully turn with your turn undead feature. Sixth level gives us a subclass feature, and then seventh level gives us something called Blessed Strikes, which is basically an upgraded version of the old Divine Strikes ability. And it says, Divine Power infuses you in battle. When a creature takes damage from one of your zero-level spells or your attacks with weapons, you can also deal 1d8 radiant damage to that creature. Once you deal this damage, you can't use this feature again until you start your next turn. Seems pretty cool to me. I mean, Toll Undead plus an extra d8 of damage seems pretty good. Moving on to 8th level, though, we get a feat, and 9th level, we get another Holy Order. Same list, but we get a second one. At 10th level, we get a subclass feature. At 11th level, we get our Divine Intervention. But this time around, uh, Wizards was a little bit more specific about what the spell does. Uh, they state that as an action, you describe an assistance that you seek, and you roll percentile dice. If you roll a number equal to or lower than your cleric level, the divine power intervenes. The DM chooses the nature of the intervention. The effect of any divine spell is appropriate. If the intervention occurs, you can't use this feature again for 2d6 days. Otherwise, you can use the feature again after you finish a long rest. 12th level, as usual, is a feat. 14th level is a subclass feature. And 16th level is again a feat. 18th level is your old 20th level ability of Greater Divine Intervention. And 19th level, of course, as you know it, is a feat. Guess what 20th level is? Of course, it's an epic boon if you've been reading the other Unearthed Arcana documents. Moving on to the subclass for the Cleric, we got, of course, the da-da-da-da life domain. And at third level, the life domain gives us our domain spells, which the list goes at third level, we get Lesser Restoration and Prayer of Healing. At fifth level, we get Mass Healing Word and Revivify. Seventh level gives us Aura of Life and Death Ward. And 9th level gives us Greater Restoration and Mass Cure Wounds. At 3rd level we also get Disciple of Life, which basically empowers our healing spells, giving any creatures that we heal using a leveled spell extra hit points equal to 2 plus the spell's level. 6th level though gives us an ability called Preserve Life. You can use your channel divinity to heal a group of critically injured. As an action, you can expend one use of your channel divinity to present your holy symbol, restoring a number of hit points equal to five times your cleric level. Choose any creatures within 30 feet of yourself, you can choose yourself, and divide those hit points among those chosen creatures. This feature can bring the creature's current hit points to no more than half of its hit point maximum. 10th level gives us the old Blessed Healer ability, which basically lets us heal ourselves by a number of hit points equal to 2 plus the spell's level whenever we cast a spell that heals another person. And then 14th level gives us Supreme Healing, which basically just says that instead of rolling dice whenever we cast a healing spell, we just use the maximum number possible. 
But that is all for the cleric class itself and the subclass. Let's go ahead and move on to the new race and the race changes. Alright guys, so we got a new version of the Ardling, and this one is less focused on the Celestial part, and more focused on the Beast part, because according to the results of the first Character Origins UA document, uh, that is what people enjoyed more, is the animalistic part of the Ardling. So, going forward, it looks like that's the direction we'll be going in for the Ardling class. Sorry. For the Ardling race. Alright, starting off with the first of the abilities we get as an Ardling, we get Animal Ancestry. You are descended from a celestial animal. Choose one of the following types below, and choose one of the example animals listed, or a similar animal. You gain the benefits of that ancestry, and your head resembles the head of the chosen animal. Climber. Bear, cat, lizard, squirrel. You have hooked claws, sharp nails, or a serpentine tail. As a result, you have a climb speed equal to your speed, and once per turn, when you deal damage with an unarmed strike at a target, you can choose to increase the damage to that target by an amount equal to your proficiency bonus. Flyer. Bat, Eagle, Owl, Raven. You have vestigial wings. As a result, when you fall at least 10 feet, you can use your reaction to safely glide downward, taking no damage from the fall. In addition... When you take the jump action, you can flap your wings to gain advantage on that action's ability check. Racer. Deer, dog, horse, triceratops. When you take the dash action, your speed increases for that action. The increase equals 10 times your proficiency bonus. Swimmer. Crocodile, dolphin, frog, shark. You can hold your breath for up to an hour at a time, and you have a swim speed equal to your speed. In addition, you have resistance to cold damage. Pretty cool, right? But moving on to the next racial feature, Divine Magic. You can innately channel Divine Magic. You know the Thaumaturgy spell. Whenever you finish a long rest, you can replace that spell with a different zero-level spell from the Divine list. Intelligence, Wisdom, or Charisma is your spellcasting ability for any spell you cast with this trait. Choose the ability when you select this species. That seems pretty neat. It's still kind of tying into the celestial thing, but not in as big of a way. Anyway, the next ability is called Keen Senses, which is the same thing that elves have, which gives you proficiency in your perception skill. This makes sense to me, because you're kind of more, you know, animalistic. But let's talk about the next race that received some changes, and that's the Dragonborn. Going over the list, it looks like there's only a couple of changes, but they're pretty major ones. For one, the breath weapon has changed. A, it's back to being an attack action instead of a full action. And B, you can control whether it is a 30-foot line or a 15-foot cone whenever you breathe the breath weapon. This seems really awesome to me. I love the ability to choose whenever you do the breath weapon, which one you want to do. Really cool. Other than that, though, they added something called Draconic Flight at 5th level which basically, for 10 minutes as a bonus action, you just gain a flying speed. 
thanks to spectral wings that sprout from your back, and the flying speed is of course equal to your speed. And then finally, we got the Goliath race. See, Goliath gives us something called Giant Ancestry. Choose one of the following benefits, a supernatural boon from your ancestry. You can use the chosen benefit a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, and you regain all expended uses on a long rest. And boy oh boy, you get six different choices. So, here we go. Number one, Cloud's Jaunt, Cloud Giants. As a bonus action, you can magically teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space that you can see. Pretty straightforward. 2. Fires Burn. Fire Giants. When you hit a target with an attack roll and deal damage to it, you can also deal 1d10 fire damage to the target. Number 3. Frost's Chill. Frost Giants. When you hit a target with an attack roll and deal damage to it, you can also deal 1d6 cold damage to that target and reduce its speed by 10 feet until the start of your next turn. Number four, and I think this one's my favorite, Hills Tumble, Hill Giants. When you hit a large or smaller creature with an attack roll and deal damage to it, you can knock the target prone. Number five, Stone's Endurance, Stone Giants. When you take damage, you can use your reaction to roll a d12. Add your constitution modifier to the number rolled and reduce the damage by that number. And finally, number six, Storm's Thunder. Storm Giants. When you take damage from a creature within 60 feet of you, you can use your reaction to deal 1d8 thunder damage to that creature. Man, that is a lot of frankly really cool options. I really want to play Goliath now. But that's not all. We also, as a Goliath, have something called Large Form. Starting at 5th level, you gain the supernatural ability to grow. As a bonus action, you can change your size to large, provided you are big enough to fit in the space. This transformation lasts for 10 minutes or until you end it as a bonus action. During that duration, you have advantage on strength checks and your speed increases by 10 feet. Once you use this trait, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. And then, of course, we also get powerful builds. You have advantage on saving throws you make to end the grappled condition on yourself, and you count as a size larger when determining your carrying capacity and the weight that you can push, drag, or lift. But that's it for the races. We did get a couple of other epic boon choices, but other than that, there's not much else aside from the rules glossary, which actually gave us a couple of spell changes as well. But let's go ahead and move on to that. Alright, first things first, I wanted to go ahead and go over the spell changes first, and I'll get to the rules changes here in a minute. The first spell we got is the new Aid spell. Like most of these other changes, this one's pretty straightforward. Instead of healing us by 5 and increasing our max hit points by that amount, it just gives us 5 temporary hit points. 
and I'm okay with this. I think this is just basically to make things easier. Uh, temporary hit points have been a thing and are easier to track versus changing your max health on your character sheet every single time is kind of a little bit of a headache. But anyway, yeah, makes sense to me. The next change is in the Banishment spell, and it looks like it's been reworded a bit, but for the most part does the same thing. Uh, the only major change I noticed, though, is the range has been changed from 60 feet to 30 feet, so a little bit of a nerf. As for the Guidance spell, it looks like it's about the same as the last version that we saw, except the limitation of only getting to benefit from it once per long rest has been removed. So, still a reaction. And Resistance has actually been given the same treatment and is now also a reaction. Prayer of Healing has changed also in that now instead of targeting up to six creatures, you can choose a number of willing creatures equal to your spellcasting ability modifier, a minimum of one, of course. And each creature who remains in range of the spell for the full 10-minute casting time gains the benefits of a short rest, which is new, and also regains 2d8 hit dice. And they cannot benefit from this again until they finish a long rest. And lastly, for the spell changes, we have Spiritual Weapon, which unfortunately is now Concentration. That's the only change. As for some of the other changes in the Rules Glossary, we got an updated attack action, which now specifies that whenever we attack with any attack, and this includes unarmed strikes, we can equip or unequip a weapon. But yeah, this seems like more of a clarification and less like a change to me. We also got a little bit more insight on the influence action, stating that you can use different kinds of skills based on who you're talking to or what you're trying to do. We also got an updated priests pack. That's neat. And we even got a section on true sight. A creature with true sight has enhanced vision with a specific range. Within that range, the creature's vision pierces through the following darkness. The creature can see in normal and in magical darkness. Invisibility. The creature can see invisible creatures and objects. Visual illusions. The creature notices visual illusions and automatically succeeds on saving throws against them. Transformations. The creature discerns the true form of any creature or object it sees that has been transformed by magic. And ethereal plane. The creature can see into the ethereal plane. Seems pretty cool. But I think that's pretty much it. The rest just seems like clarification changes. Yeah, that's all guys. Let's go ahead and move into the outro so we can get you guys out of here. Alright guys, that is the show this week. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, the show does have a Patreon, so if you feel like donating, go to patreon.com slash bardicinquisition, and if you want to send us an email, you can do so at bardicinquisition at yahoo.com. But that's it guys, that's all I've got for you today. Sorry this was a bit of a messy episode, and it was kind of short but it was kind of like a last-minute bonus episode because the, uh, the UA came out today, and I was really excited about it. But thank you very much for listening, guys, and you guys 
keep on playing D&D.